On this week's episode of Friend Code, we're talking about the Nindy Spring Showcase 2019, and Bloodworth went to GDC and played some games. Hello, everyone. Welcome to an episode of Friend Code. I'm your host, Michael Damiani. On this week's episode, I'm joined by Daniel Bloodworth. Hello. And uh, you might be wondering, oh, it's just the two of us this time. Um, it's a busy week for us. Um, we yeah. are recording this on the day that our third anniversary <laughs> event is going on. Um, just everyone was really busy this week with their schedules. Bloodworth was at GDC. Just with how everything aligned and what we wanted to talk about, felt it was best just to wait to record the episode later in the week, wait for Bloodworth to get back, to have some hands-on impressions from him. So that is why you only have the two of us this week. Um, so that disappoints you. Uh, apologies. You know, just, just a busy week and stuff. And also as a heads up, because I realized that this today, there's a decent chance this might not make it up on the usual day for, for patrons on Sunday. Oh, yeah. Um, so if that if that's the case, if it slips beyond Sunday, I will just make it live for everyone at the same time when it's ready to go, um, just to just to get it out there and get it to everyone. Okay, and we'll re- we'll return because then it would delay. Especially, uh, oh, well, I mean, it you can give it to people early and then still put it up in the whole time. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll see. Um, but. We'll get back to our usual routine with regular episodes going forward. Just a really hectic week for us, but hopefully, you know, you for those of you who watch it and are there. Well, that, I mean, again, it wasn't just that it was hectic. It's that we knew this Nindy stuff was coming, so we wanted to be able to cover that, you know, as well as we could. Yeah, we it was, and the window for that is just. It's just right now. Like I got yeah. it last night, very late. Yeah, that was a <laughs> sound like it was an ordeal. <laughs> but uh. Yeah, so let's start with uh, so how we're gonna do this is we're gonna go down through most of the games in the Indies Showcase. We're not gonna go over every single game, but we're gonna go over them as they were revealed, uh, most of the big ones. And uh, Bloodworth actually got to try some of them out up at GDC. Yeah. So when we get to those, Blood's gonna share his impressions with us, um, which is gonna be cool because uh, we really haven't done a lot of uh, hands-on impressions on Friend Code. Yeah, they had a basically they had a companion press event there uh, at, I mean. At GDC, which a lot of things at GDC aren't really at GDC. Like <laughs> they had their own hotel suite and all of that, uh, and it was just there for a you know I think uh, four hours that things were available. Uh, so, uh, but the same people that were presenting the direct were there uh, to okay. talk about Nintendo's kind of indie strategy and how well everything's been going. Uh, so they started it off with a presentation there. Um, and, uh, they, uh, like one, they were talking about like some of their values. Like one of the things is that like quality remains priority, uh, for them to like really find these games that are going to stand out and be great. Um, uh, they're talking about, uh, more than half of the top 20, um, switch games on Metacritic are indies. Oh, they, I, didn't, like, I didn't know that. Yeah, so like the Switch hmm. indie games, like it's not just that they're selling well, but they're reviewing, they're, they're, they're hitting good. critics really so that's well. that's falling into their quality. Yeah. yeah. Um, they uh, were talking about uh, some of the, the top 10 uh, indie games include, I, didn't, I don't think I wrote down the whole thing, but uh, Celeste, Undertale, Hollow Knight, Overcooked, Dead Cells, Stardew Valley, and Golf Story. Um, and I guess, I, don't, I forget what survey they were referencing, but they were saying uh, half of game makers consider Switch the most interesting platform to release mm. their games on. Most interesting. I wonder how they define that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, what if any, again, it's a survey question. So yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's up to whoever yeah. was taking that survey. 
Um, and then, um, you know, a priority of making sure fans know about the games that they think are worth knowing about. And I didn't realize this, but Nintendo launched like an indie uh, YouTube channel last fall. There's like a separate indie channel. Interesting. So didn't they have a... They had like a separate channel for mobile or something, something like that. At one oh, point, yeah. I don't know if they maybe they switched over to that, but yeah, I didn't know they had a dedicated indies channel. No idea about that. Yeah, and then they also talked about the stuff that Kit and Krista do, and the Nintendo Power podcast, and you know, just again, just trying to highlight the games that are really worth highlighting. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's nice they did a presentation there. I feel like I've been to one of these before. I feel like it was it was in San Francisco. I might have been around GDC. It was definitely after some presentation. It was at like the W Hotel, I want to say. Sure, something yeah. like right around, like right around yeah. the Moscone. Or, I mean, it's it's yeah. basically tradition now that both Microsoft and Nintendo will have an indie event at GDC before, either right before the, like, because yeah, I think in the past both of them were on Tuesday, which is before the expo floor opens, even though the conference is already happening. Uh, but this year, Nintendo did their on theirs on Wednesday. Nice. I, tr- I don't think I've been to GDC in uh, over a decade. Oh, wow, yeah. It's been, it's been a while since I've, I've been there. I um, only went, like, I think two times, but uh, I, I thought it was interesting. It was at the point where people were starting to complain. It was getting uh, too focused on announcements, and, uh, like, Nintendo was doing press conferences there. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, and there was, like, well, some Sony backlash. Well, Sony used to have a really big presence at GDC, which they, they don't now. They have a booth, um, but it is definitely more focused on the developers yeah you know, which you know in a lot of ways it really should be that's what's called game developers conference so at the same time this was going on everyone else we got to see the nindies uh, direct essentially the spring showcase 2019 hosted by kirk stop uh well, kirk scott and katie casper who are in the product and uh the publisher and developer relations department um, they've uh, been a part of uh, some of the past Nindies uh, showcases as well. Um, but we actually didn't see them first. It just went straight into a video mm. uh, announcement. Um, I think it was one of the bigger announcements of the, the Nindies presentation. Yeah. That Cuphead is coming to Switch. After all the rumors, after all these leaks about Microsoft and Nintendo working together, right. we finally get the first concrete piece of evidence the first example of this and uh it is coming to switch on thursday april 18th um and it is uh apparently how it happened is microsoft approached nintendo yeah about making this happen yeah and yeah and, I, and that's what uh yeah the developers that's one of the games that i i played um and and the, one of the developers was there and i just asked him so what's the story like how did this happen and he's like yeah microsoft you know, came to us and asked us if, you know, we wanted to put the game on Switch. And, like, that was, like, a dream for them. So, you know, they started working on it. And um, they are talking about uh, how, you know, because of the limitations of the Switch, uh, it made them relook at the game and work things out. Uh, so they're actually going to be making improvements to the game that are, are going to be basically premiering with the Switch version, but mm. they're going to impact the xbox version as well oh cool um so one of the things they're talking about is that like load times are going to get shorter um and uh, i think they're like adding a bunch of uh, additional languages and and things like that language support uh so it's pretty cool uh and and he didn't reference anyone else specifically but the way he was talking uh was as if this is how ID Xbox is going to kind of start approaching some of these indie games. Is like, you know, it's like, yeah, like just 
put these out there, like share them with everybody kind of thing. Um, so we, yeah, there's been a lot of rumors about Ori and I wouldn't be surprised if, if we see Ori and more, you know, quote unquote, Xbox indies start coming their way to switch as well. And one of the things that Xbox announced that day too, is even though it won't be day and date with the release of Cuphead is that you will be able to get, um, Xbox, uh, achievements. You'll be able to earn achievements on the switch. Yes. Which, uh, that came to Minecraft last year, actually. Um, coming to this game as well. And they, yeah, they said not day and date, but like basically they said, uh, yeah, Xbox Live uh, support is coming to the Switch version. Right. So they said achievement specifically, but now people are wondering if there's anything to the the rumors that came about about full like Xbox Live integration with a Switch it, it, because they said it's coming down sure. the line. You yeah. know, Well, I went knows? to the Project X Cloud presentation as well, which I'll, I'll cover in a different GDC report, but. I was, you know, me and some other journalists were like, we're just waiting. Like, you're going to say this is going to come to Switch, right? Like, you know, you're going to be able to, you know, cloud play all your Xbox Game Pass games, but not yet. Bloodworth? It's coming. I think it's coming, but not yet. I think it's happening at E3. Yeah. And I think Microsoft will be, one or the other will be involved in the other's presentation. Either Nintendo exec will walk out during Microsoft's press conference or in the Nintendo E3 Direct, yeah. someone from Microsoft will be in that. Right. And that's what Major Nelson's it. been tweeting about playing Switch games and stuff. Yeah, it's been very, very open. Yeah, it'd be interesting to have, like, you know, uh, Doug Bowser, who will be taking yeah. over as uh, president and CEO of Nintendo at that point, and uh, maybe, you know, like someone like that, like Major Nelson right. or Phil Spencer, someone like that walking out with them together. It would be kind of cool. And. And one of the other things, because, you know, when I tweeted about that the next day, which was like something I just randomly remembered while I was walking from one thing to the next and I tweeted it and like all these people are retweeting and putting in articles and stuff. But I wasn't the only person that the Cuphead guy told that to. Like, you know, I was talking to Chris Kohler the next day and he's like, yeah, they, they said that to me. They said that to the person in front of me, too. Like, I just happened to be the one that tweeted it before anyone else. Uh, so it's not like it's some kind of secret or yeah. anything. Um, and uh, pretty widely reported. Uh, the other thing that I was thinking of too is people like caught this our friends at Microsoft yeah, line. A lot of people have been calling that out. And and you have to remember, like physically, Nintendo and Microsoft are across the street from each other. Yeah, they they they, they really are. Like probably go to lunch and stuff. Yeah, I, I, we've said it before in all our different podcasts. Like it's not most of the time. These companies aren't like enemies or something like that. You know, mm -hmm. they're, they're usually on pretty friendly personal terms. Just business is business sometimes. But also, specifically Nintendo, there is a history there, um, like dating back to, you know, back to the N64 era, essentially. Like uh, Ken Lobb going, you know, one of the key figures with right. GoldenEye, yeah. the Clob gun, everything that, going over to Microsoft after that. Um, like that's sort of starting at that point on. There's yeah. been like some <laughs> now, now, yeah, working with Killer Instinct yeah. and everything again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I mean, there there is there that working relationship there, but I think with all the rumors and everything, and now that line, like I think people just like their fans are antsy for that like that that kind of like collaboration to happen. Yeah. And what it will mean, and uh, that kind of comes uh, dives starts our journey into the, the patron questions about this because we got a lot of questions about Cuphead. I, 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 my only question before we move into that is uh, you got to play it there, right? Yeah, I got get to, to play see it, it a little how bit. Did, how did it look, I guess? You said they you talked about optimization stuff, but mm -hmm. how did it look to you performance-wise? To me, it, it just looked like Cuphead. And okay. so I'm sure like, we could put them side by side and we could maybe see the differences or you know, like it, maybe it's not as high res. But like as a first impression and, and playing through a couple of levels, 
there wasn't anything that stood out to me as being different or chunky or weird. So, did you play it in docked or handheld mode? Uh, it was. I played it in docked. I I know some people pulled it out and checked it out in handheld mode, but I didn't. Okay. Uh, I didn't do that. That's fine. Um, first patron question, uh, patron question comes from Carl Williams. Now that Cuphead has been announced for Switch, do you believe that Nintendo and Microsoft will work uh, uh, on a way to bring the Ori titles to, to Switch? Yeah. You kind of talked about that a little bit, but do you, do you think that's a definite thing at this point? I don't know if it's definite, but there's been so many rumors about it that it feels like it's probably happening. Um, and the Ori developers are very similar, like super small team and... I mean, they don't even have an office. They're, like, spread out all over the freaking world. So um, I think for them it may just be a challenge of trying to do that port as well as working on the new Ori game, which is probably why we saw Cuphead first because Cuphead's working on additional content. But, mm-hmm. you know, I I don't know what else, you know, that team has next, next up, next in the pipe. You think it'll be both Ori games if it does happen? Uh, I yeah, I would maybe not simultaneously, but I think that if it happens, then we'll probably see both at some point in the future. I think, I think it's a pretty safe bet. I, I'll be interested to see how they introduce Ori One, whether yeah. it's like a pre-order bonus for Ori Two on Switch, standalone, separate sale, something like that. And it sounds like Cuphead's doing really well in pre-orders too. I actually haven't checked on that. You talk about Switch pre-orders since they yeah. opened it the day of the Nindios Direct. They they open them up. That's pretty good. I mean, I. I my gut instinct says that thing's going to sell pretty well on Switch, despite it already coming yeah. out on other platforms. Um, it's really a perfect Switch title. Yeah. yeah. It's a good, uh, good match there. Uh, second patron question about Cuphead comes from Megan Leinert. With the surprising announcement of Cuphead at the Nindy Showcase, do you think we are starting to see the relationship with Microsoft take shape? How far do you think this relationship could go, and what other games would you like to see? Um, yeah, I think... Based on what we're seeing, it, it it feels it feels like the things that are indie and that would support these indie developers. I think that the idea at Xbox team is probably pushing to get those natively on the Switch, and then uh, again, I think Project X Cloud will probably uh, most likely come to Switch too, because they can do that on a phone. Why not do it on a Switch where you also have access to a controller? Uh, so I think it will really, yeah, it will really just probably depend more on Nintendo than Microsoft. I think it's a good point. I do, I do, I do agree that uh, the stuff about the, like the Project X Cloud. Uh, I, if I had to guess, I think that's like Microsoft's like biggest uh, one of their biggest objectives is getting that thing running on as many devices and getting it on Switch will give them a leg up. In the competition, yeah. in the coming console, or I mean, con- coming generations, not going to be console technically because Google's going to be joining it, but they want to get a leg up on Spadia and on whatever uh, Sony's going to be doing. Stadia, why did I say Spadia? <laughs> Nobody can get that name right. <sighs> I guess get Pokemon Stadia. Just got to say right. that every time. I'll get it right. But Stadia and uh, PlayStation's uh, offerings, yeah. I think Microsoft will be able to tout, hey, you can play it on all our devices on our new console, Scarlet, but also if you're a Switch owner, you can play it on Nintendo devices as well. Yeah. And that will be a, a big boon for them, I think. And I'm not sure who's doing who's doing that stuff in Japan where they've been streaming like Assassin's Creed and those games. 
on which for for Switch? Yeah. Oh, um, I think it must be like a Japanese company. Yeah, because Capcom did. Uh, yeah, because Capcom did RE uh, Biohazard Seven. We had Assassin's Creed Odyssey was the other one. I don't know if they did any others since then, but I forget. Yeah, I don't know the company's name that's doing it for them. But yeah, they've been testing the waters with that, and I have to. You have to imagine that that's something they're looking at as well. Yeah. Um, especially it does seem like Nintendo's receptive to having higher end games be able to be available on their platform through streaming services. And uh, it seems like Microsoft might be the first one out of the gate to approach Nintendo and try and they might be doing all this to foster that relationship and that they'll be like, hey, why don't you stay away from Google? Why don't you stay away from Sony? Like be exclusive with us, you know, and uh, we'll, we'll, you'll see the benefits of that. And I also think it goes beyond just like the streaming objective. Yeah, I, I could see some game like this is now giving hope to people who want a true GoldenEye revival, yeah. like GoldenEye Remastered, not the the, the one that came out People back on Wii. People have been bringing up Rare Replay and like that. Yeah, Rare Replay, yeah. Banjo HD, stuff like that could come back to Switch. You know, there's a lot of possibilities there. And I think it benefits both because, as you see, people are excited about talking about both Microsoft and Nintendo here. And I, and I think that's a good a good approach for them to take going into the coming generation. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the pie in the sky, you know, kind of thing would be basically xbox live taking over nintendo's online services yeah. <laughs> 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 <Yeah>. <laughs> like play x you know smash brothers on xbox live like, yeah okay i yeah that's the pie in the sky for if you're on nintendo end i think microsoft's end is do you think they could ever get any kind of nintendo game or something in nintendo on one of their services or devices like could you see uh, an actual game i think would be tough but i yeah. wouldn't be surprised if you know like link hats on xbox avatars or stuff like you know, okay that kind of thing you know like just more of fun cosmetic yeah. related things. like halo's yeah. always had like the freaking triforce symbol and not called it the triforce but you know imagine if like you like officially could have like a triforce with a master sword down it and like your custom character yeah that would be i mean i could see a- that. and easter eggs like they did in bayonetta you know mm-hmm. those kinds of things yeah i could see it the possibilities are pretty exciting to think about but uh, our final question regarding Cuphead uh, comes from uh, Dark Pikachu. So the first thing that came to my mind was Cuphead and Smash Ultimate. Mm. Do you think that's realistic? Would Microsoft benefit from that? And uh, before you answer that, I just want to say the co-creator, uh, I'm probably going to get this name wrong, Jared Moldenhauer, actually said recently that he dreams of Cuphead and Mugman ending up in Smash. Sure. Um I don't know. I mean, I, it could be one of those things that I, I, I think that's just an easy thing to latch on to because it happened. <laughs> like this is, because this is a reality right now. Uh, I don't know that it would be this like the strongest foot forward for a, a Microsoft-associated IP. I, I, I still think you know Banjo-Kazooie would be the most sense that any Xbox uh, franchise could, could have in Smash. I agree. It's probably the one that makes the most sense. Um, there's also been rumors about it, yeah. Banjo. Um, there's also been rumors about uh, Minecraft appearing yeah. in, in And Smash Minecraft Brothers. is like, okay, but that's all market. Like, I just can't see myself caring about the Minecraft character coming to Smash. But Though I think the, the most hype thing for everybody, mm-hmm. like a broader audience, would be Master Chief appearing in Smash sure. Brothers. Which, you never know. Never know. Um, moving on from Cuphead, the next game they talked about in the news direct, and again another game you got hands on with at GDC was uh, Overland. Um, yeah. 
new take on the end of the world narrative from the creator of Cannibalt. Um, and it's coming this fall from Finji. Yeah, what are your impressions of it now that you got hands on with it? Um, yeah, Overland is it's interesting because it's it's sort of plays like in the way you move uh, your characters. It it has kind of like a similar like Fire Emblem or XCOM kind of thing where like you've got like a grid based room and uh, and then you you only have so many action points to to move from point to point to search items and and things like that and uh, and you can recruit other party members who the, one of the biggest things is just that they, you can carry more stuff basically. Uh, and you can also find, so you can play like backpacks, so you can find uh, like things to shield yourself because there's these like monsters that look like, they kind of look like Metroid monsters. Okay. Little things that burrow out of the grounds and have like these glowing spikes on their back. Um, but like if you you can attack and kill them, but it it's, from what I played, it does not feel like a good idea. Oh. So <laughs> like you attack like them and then like, yeah. it like, you know, warns others and like they start swarming you more or less so only if necessary like yeah. you, sh- you shouldn't be the aggressor basically just more for defensive play right and then um I'm trying to remember else what is in there so w- yeah one of the main things that seems to like move on from each screen uh was there's car and so you're pretty much the biggest objective was to find fuel for the car okay so get out there and like siphon gas from another vehicle or f- find a, a gas can and then go and fill up the car, and then put the people in the car, and then and then you get off of that square, and then it gives you kind of like uh, more of just like a line map, and so you can see the object, like the big objective that you're trying to get to. But then there will be like these branching paths along the way, and it's like okay, you can go up this way to uh, you know maybe get more fuel, or you can go down here to possibly recruit another person, and those like you know those have different amounts of fuels that they take so you like one unit of fuel to go down or one or three units to go up and and all of that and so there's there's a lot of these little decision makings um as well as like little campfires where you kind of have these these narrative choices um during the presentation on on, on, they made it sound like there's going to be you talked about the decision making Mm -hmm. but they made it sound like there's not going to be there's no there's a chance that you will not be able to do everything that you want to do that sure, you're gonna yeah. have to make the best choice possible. Yeah, because when you make those decisions, yeah. like you can't go back afterwards and go to that one. Like you're always gonna move. Yes. Forward okay. To yes. Some extent. A path will close off on you that yeah. you've now made your choice. You cannot. You you cannot get everything along your way. So, yeah, that that seemed really intriguing to me. Yeah. And then the last room that they had, it was a little. I was a little bit lost as what they wanted me to do because, basically, there's just this fire everywhere, and like, uh, okay, we've got to get past this fire. And we have to avoid swarms of creatures, and we have to get gas for the cars. <laughs> and uh, some of the gas cans caught on fire and spread the fire. And basically, I think what we en- I ended up doing is getting everyone in the car and just waiting there while creatures attacked it for the fire to die down. I'm like, all right, now we're out of here. <laughs> Jeez. Um, but I think – I'm trying to remember – I think it might be sort of FTL like, like roguelike, so that it's not you know all exactly the same every time. Okay, yeah, they were sorry. Yeah, they didn't mention that it, because they said the further west you get or something, mm-hmm. the more challenging it'll get. But also, once you've completed it, every single playthrough will be like 
different. Mm-hmm. It, it, yeah, you're exactly right. They said that during the presentation. Yeah. Um. Any other, any final any other thoughts on that before we move on? on? Overland itself? No, I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. The next game they talked about. Uh, one of the uh, another a new announcement. Uh, coming from a, a new. Uh, I think it's a new studio. I might be wrong. Timberline Studio. Uh, the Red Lantern. Right. This is the uh, the mushing game um, about a, a woman who uh, basically she's narrating this this trailer uh, that they set against the Alaskan wilderness, and basically their their life kind of didn't turn out as they planned, and now they they want to take control of their life again and do something that uh, you know give, can give them purpose and something that like it's nothing they said nothing can, no one can take this away from me, which is running in and completing the Iditarod race. Yeah. Um, and it's so yeah, you are racing in the Iditarod in the Alaskan wilderness, um, and the trailer ends with this graphic scene of getting a mauled bear, by a just bear, being yeah. mauled by a bear, and then mauling dog your dogs. I was like, okay, so woo. Um, but they, yeah, I mean, going back to FTL, like this feels very much like that, where your run could have any kind of random things to happen that you, who knows. Yeah, so I guess the question there is, you know, when you're doing that fully visualize like how repetitive that might feel if you know if you get wiped out on a run and then like okay here's the bear sequence again and let me you know do it the right way this time or yeah i i how much how much randomness they can really pack into that yeah because they did call the roguelike they did explain that you'll be able to what to say mend your wounds tend your dogs hunter survives there's a sequence where you go out with your like a gun and hunt like they were hunting like a deer i believe and how many variations of that will you be able to encounter on your run? Um, and, and will it feel like unique enough if you like die and have to go back to the beginning or however that like penalty system is going to work. But I, uh, visually it looked really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the visual style of it and it felt like uh, something different, something I wouldn't have expected. And uh, I seemed interested. It seemed pretty interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's coming out later this year. Um, oh, the last thing they talked about was the gyro controls. So, like when you're going across the wilderness, you can like tilt up in, in handheld mode. You can oh, look yeah, around you can watch the stars, and like take and, in yeah. like the scenes. The, yeah, yeah, that's like, nice. Nice touch to that. Um, but next up was a uh, Darkwood. Yeah, um, which I believe you also got hands on with mm-hmm. a top-down survival horror game from Crunching Koalas and Acid Wizard coming this May. Tell me a little bit about this game, Bloodworth. Yeah, so this is. It's survival horror. Um, in some ways, like there's a lot more emphasis on survival and like gathering resources and crafting, and like you've got a lot of inventory slots and things to manage. And like I just found myself picking up a lot of things and not being entirely sure what to do with them just yet. Um, start out with a, a house and like there's a lot of boarded up windows, so I'm thinking that's probably part of the mechanic. Is like, okay, you you've got to like secure your residence first. And then you can get out into the world and try to f- find what you can find. Um, but uh, rather than just focusing the horror on whatever strange creatures, whatever's going on in the woods, it feels like in some ways the woods themselves are part of the horror. Or like the trees are like closing in and keeping people from escaping. Uh, but there's also this kind of horror of what your characters might do. Hmm. And that's interesting. And so I found somebody out in the woods 
and then we're back in the house and then like that person's tied up and like the characters beating on them and stuff and then like i switch over to the person that got and that's the thing is the, the control changed this other person and then you end up killing the first guy and it's just like there's like a lot of darkness going on here so yikes uh, so it's about like the human psyche and like like situations like that yeah. where everyone's kind of like fending for themselves. Like, what will people truly do? You know, in such a dark situation. So that yeah, that's and there's this macabre. kind of like vision <laughs> cone of you know where the light is because again, like it seems to be you know part of it is either restoring power or finding light sources and and okay. things like that. So there's a lot of things in the shadows that you don't quite know what's going on. Don't know how what's more terrifying is like seeing those there or like walking through and like knowing at any moment around you, there could be all these like terrible things, but you just can't see them. So like, don't think about them. Just like keep moving and stuff like that. <laughs> um, yeah, I saw in the presentation, like the, the top down perspective, it looked pretty like interesting, you know, um, good sprite work and stuff like that. Uh, set of like set like in a Russian, like area or something. It's uh late eighties, Poland. Oh, Poland. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that uh, looked intense. I'll give it that much. But like they said, slow burn is like the kind of like the the sense of like dread you'll feel mm-hmm. as you play through that game. And yeah. that short video of it made that feel convincing enough to me. The next game on the list, also something you got to play at GDC, Katana Zero. Yeah. A platforming action game where you play as an assassin who kills everything in one hit, but at the <laughs> same time, you can be killed in a single hit. Yeah. Um, and it's coming April 18th. They also showed like some cool, like kind of like slow down perception power you had. It's like parry bullets and stuff. How, yeah, how, how was this, Bloodworth? Yeah. So I think the most interesting thing about this is it's an action game, but it's also kind of more like a puzzle game. Okay. So you kind of go screen by screen in a way, and like there's a set number of enemies and objectives on that screen that you have to accomplish. And so rather than, uh, rather than your character dying and you starting over, the kind of uh, conceit, the kind of way that they they frame this is what you do when you're controlling the character is actually that character thinking through oh, how okay. they are going to go about. So, like, Sherlock Holmes, you ever see the Sherlock Holmes movie? Oh, where yeah. he, like, basically says, you, like, see it happening out, but it's, like, him playing it, and then it happens at full speed? Yeah. Right. So that exact same thing happens. So once you've gone through and you've successfully cleared that room, then it rewinds and it plays that sequence Oh, okay. And and I think in like black and white or whatever, like it's a movie, and you can actually like rewind and speed up and kind of skip over it if you don't want to watch it. And so it's like you, you know, once you've successfully figured it out, then you watch the character actually do that. Okay, that's pretty cool because in the presentation they showed, oh, don't worry, if you die, it just rewinds back to the beginning and you try again. But I don't think it made it clear. Maybe in a previous presentation something did, but I didn't have any. I just didn't know that that was actually what you were trying to do is map out all of your actions essentially and then get to watch the the fruits of your labor at the end if you wanted to see that play out, which is pretty cool. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah, and uh, one of the levels uh, that I remember specifically in terms of thing like in terms of uh, puzzles is uh, there were these uh, 
like lasers, uh, and you could kind of dash, dash through them and, and get by them. Uh, and that, but then eventually there was a place where you could just like shut them off. Uh, but then I think there's like a hostage or something that you had to rescue. Um, but afterwards, like these these extra enemies come in, and so what you ended up doing was tricking them basically to run into the lasers <laughs> so like you would just flip the lasers on oh, okay. when they were crossing them and it's like nope now that guy's dead oh, <laughs> lasers are off up oh, lasers are back on now you're dead <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty cool uh and then there's some yeah there's some weird thing about like this therapist or whatever at the end and you're like trying to get your medicine oh yeah they showed in the video like you, that's what you like so they say like T- so tell me about like last night or your latest mission or something like that so yeah it seemed I thought it was just like the save or story. Save system plus also a way to tell more of the story, but there's more to it. Yeah. I mean, it, I think there's some long-term uh, benefits there or something. Because throughout, as you're talking to the, the therapist, you have these dialogue options oh, that okay. basically express um, you know, whether you want to keep talking or whether you're like, just give me the medicine. It's like you just get impatient with them, but if you kind if you take it more slowly, then they they kind of you know congratulate you on being you know being more patient or whatever, and it's so yeah I don't know there's some there's some other mechanic going on there that I think probably plays out more over the long term. Hmm. And uh, the injection you get that's for like the perception ability you get, or how does that work actually? Like is it on a meter? Like how do you, like, can you infinitely activate it, or is it on a cooldown? Unfortunately, like I don't think I really ended up having to use it that much. Okay, um, that's fine. But I do think it's yeah, it's like one of these things where you uh, yeah, you can slow down time and just like hit a bullet back as, and that's one of the tools that you have. Okay. Um, for yeah. for being able to to get through there. Interesting. Yeah, it looked cool. Like uh, I was pretty into it from what I saw on there. And the- yeah, and it's one of those games that we've known is coming to PC for a bit. Like I think we've, we've actually had a preview build for a while that uh, Brad just said has time to, hasn't had time to get to. Um, but now it's like it's announced for switch and like all of a sudden people actually know this game exists. The switch effect. Yeah. For Indies. It's a real thing. <laughs> um, next up was another new game announcement from, uh, from double fine. Oh yeah. And, uh, being published by Bandai Namco, a game called rad. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't get to play the Switch version, but I did eventually get to play it. Like right as they were shutting down. The oh, Expo nice! Because all I know from what I saw is a post-apocalyptic wow, post-apocalyptic world, and it looked like you were playing as a radioactive player because I was making like the rad radioactive and the, like the yeah. rads like the noise uh, that comes off when you're radioactive. Traveling across the world to and like you were like restoring life, like bringing up like plants. And yeah, stuff as you went by you. Thing where like plants are just like. Sp- Routing wherever you, you walk. walk yeah. yeah and it was like a top-down action beat em up but your character mutates due to the radiation um so yeah even though you didn't get to play the switch version like wow well, i'm curious like what was it actually like yeah, yeah the I, like i said i only got to play for like five ten minutes but it feels like the mutations are entirely random okay uh for okay. your for your run and so i think that as you just keep you know, leveling up or whatever, however the mechanic works, like you just keep stacking on more of these mutations. Um, so like I had, uh, I think the first run that I did, I got one that 
basically turned my head into like Ghost Rider. You have this flaming skull. <laughs> and so in addition to your normal attacks, like you just start tossing skulls at, at enemies. Uh, and right. then uh, the second time uh, I saw or what I got was basically it allowed you to befriend an enemy and have them fight alongside of you. Okay. And then I saw yeah. somebody else get like giant bat wings, and then there are a bunch of other examples oh, that are wow. in the trailer. Yeah, I saw the ones in the trailer and stuff like that. And that was, uh, I was just curious. You, you gave me the answer. They are random. I didn't know if there's something that triggered it. Like you build up enough radiation, and then all of a sudden it dings, and like you get a new mutation or something like that. Basically, but the one you, like, you don't know what you you're going to get. You don't control over what yeah. you're going to get. That's, that's a cool point to make there. Um, yeah, it just seemed, uh, like uh, the mutation part of it, and then uh, seemed this seemed like the most like the biggest hook of that, and you know, obviously, I I wasn't sure if it was just a pure beat 'em up or like an actual more like an action RPG like Diablo esque. There definitely like seems that. to be some kind of like towers that you activate. I'm not sure what the f- like real like progression mechanic is to get from stage yeah. to stage or clear a stage. But I mean, it definitely, yeah, like it looked like another kind of cool effort from from Double Fine. Um, coming this summer, um, actually. So coming sooner than I would have thought. Yeah, I was in such a hurry, I didn't even write anything down after. Oh, <laughs> poor Bloodworth. Um, this next one, maybe you have more notes on, because uh, I believe you got to play this as well. Uh, was Creature in the Well. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. This is my highlight. Top-down action-adventure game inspired by pinball. Mm-hmm. Um, coming this summer from uh, Flight School. Uh, rather than me talk about what we saw in the direct, you got to play it. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, so if you think of uh, Yoku's Island Express has you playing as the pinball, think of Creature in the Well as having you play as the flipper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it really introduces, and, and what he was saying is that the, the demo level is just kind of a mashup of all kinds of things. So it's not like any specific level from the game. Uh, but it kind of introduces you to this idea uh pretty simply by just like their you know balls floating at these points that just kind of respawn after you hit them um and and so the first thing you pick up is there's a big old pipe and you like whack the balls with the pipe and then uh they're like these uh bumper shaped mechanisms in the levels yeah uh that when the balls hit them your character uh, builds up energy okay and then you can use that energy to unlock doors Okay. And then as you progress a little bit in the demo, what you then end up getting uh, a sword. And for whatever reason, what the sword allows you to do is the sword allows you to kind of charge and like hold uh, one of those projectiles right in front of you. Okay. So you're holding it like you're swinging the sword and you're charging these, these things to make them more powerful. And then you can aim and then you can hit the pipe button to whack it. Uh, I see. So, and and then as uh, you start getting a little further in there, uh, there's like some more like puzzly type challenges. There's one room where they had a bunch of mechanisms that you had to hit in quick succession. So you hit one thing and you have less than two seconds to hit the next thing and then the next thing and the next thing. And so it really like, making you refine like how quickly you can aim and and hit these things okay yeah uh, uh and that opened up like a like a 
secret weapon, like dual blades. Ooh, nice. And with the dual blades, it's not it's not just that you. I don't know. Actually, I don't like. It's not just an aesthetic thing. It's like what it did is it like it put like a like a laser sight, so that you could see where you're aiming farther. Okay. So you can like exactly like line up where you're trying to hit a ball, and then there are uh, not just the balls floating, but then things start shooting at you, and and kind of like the Ganon fight, you start hitting them back and whacking them back, and then it gets into like boss fights where you're kind of doing more bullet hell. Type things oh, cool. and like I don't a, think avoiding like big streams of lasers. Yeah, and, I don't think we got to see any of that in the presentation, especially boss fights. I had no idea there were boss. Yeah, fights there was one this. boss yeah. fight before the end of the demo. Okay, with you know, and it's basically a, I'm I'm guessing that every boss fight will be with the creature. Okay, and it's like it's oh just, yeah, you the, basically the, either see like just the big hands coming up, or you see some eyes in the darkness. Okay, as you're going through the levels, you kind of get spots there. Um, I have a question about so. When you're knocking around, they call them energy orbs to, to, to hit your objectives and power yourself up. Um, do you fail by like losing health, or like if you like miss all the energy balls, like do you just get a game over? If you like, because in pinball, you let all the balls drop. You right. Lose, like, you no, lose, there's nothing like, like balls that. dropping. Okay. They, things keep respawning, or things will keep shooting at you until okay. um, you you know you either hit all because when you hit the pinball things enough times, they they drop down and then they become available unavailable. Okay. You know. So it's like you basically max out everything in the room or you get enough energy to just get in the next door and then you can leave the rest. Um, but there is health as well when you're fighting things. So okay. you'll, just, you'll just die and respawn, uh, restart a boss fight or whatever. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, and the visual styles, uh, you know, it's very kind of comic booky with like a lot of like splatter effects and, and airbrush. And he said is uh, inspired by uh, Hellboy. Oh, nice! The look at the Hellboy, yeah, Hellboy. comics. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I saw like from the also from the presentation. They said it takes place exclusively in a desert, and they mentioned like the giant monster that's trapped everyone in eternal sandstorm. So that's why you're you're an engineer trying to gather all this energy so you can power up a weather uh, machine that will undo the effects of this sandstorm. Essentially, and they said there could be like you mentioned some of the like the the swords the weapons you're gonna get to bounce around the energy orbs. Said there could be like over fifteen of those. Oh wow! So okay. you only t- I think you talk about like three or like three. curious what the other abilities yeah. or effects those might have. Yeah, so but like, it escalated pretty quickly. You know, it's like it's you know it's it introduces things on a good clip in the demo, but yeah, by the end of it, it's like you got to have a pretty good mastery of those controls to, oh, nice. re- to really like finish it off. Now, yeah, now were you, was it, uh, how did you play this one? I'm kind of curious. Was it uh, docked, handheld, or using like Joy-Cons? Like, uh, it was docked, that? and I was I was either playing with a Pro Controller or with the the, the Joy-Con attached, shell thing. Yeah. I don't remember which. But there, there was no like any kind of like motion control thing? No, like, okay, that, okay, at least curious. not that I knew of. Okay. Um, but yeah, it sounds really cool, and I know uh, I'm curious to know what Don thinks about this. It's yeah, another I am too. pinball game. <laughs> yeah, uh, hopefully he's excited about it. Um, next up on our list, uh, I forget if you played this. I think you said you did, but I'm not entirely sure. I I haven't gotten around to it yet. Is Blaster Master Zero Two? Oh yeah, actually, yeah, I, I I hit them up and I asked them for a code so I could play it uh, on my Switch oh, rather nice. than like taking the time out of the day during the demos. Oh okay. So yeah, I've been playing. I played it quite a bit uh, while I was at the airport waiting for the plane to show oh, up. Oh no. Okay. Uh, but yeah, the 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 one weird thing is that I haven't played the first Blaster Master Zero, so I don't know exactly hmm. like what the new improvements are. 
I got a, uh, they said a few things in the in the direct presentation. Yeah. So not just improvements, but new things. So this one's set at, in outer space. Yeah. Which is a big That's difference. A big thing. You have a new ship this time, the Sophia, um, with new abilities. One of them, and in your character has new abilities. One of them, they say, is the counter ability. Yeah. It's like making that like sl- like slash through like the screen, and you can combo it into multiple enemies, do more damage. And then there are new pilots who pilot their own Gaia's, I guess, or ships. And uh, they might be friend or foe, depend. Like you know, you, you might you'll still fight them, but what their real motive is, they might join you afterwards, or they might be like a mortal enemy. Yeah. They kind of highlighted those like unique boss battle situations with those new pilots. So. That was kind of all like that that they said visually. I'm sure someone who's played both could like point out more, but yeah, like I, I've heard it's really hard. Yeah, um, there's there's definitely a, a fair amount of challenge in it. There's a lot of things too that I I don't think are like necessarily explained right away, like uh, the way the the different guns work, because like when you're in the the I guess the the person levels or the top down levels. Um, you pick up like this uh, red energy things that allow you to switch to different weapons. So there's like a basic gun, but then there's like a more powerful, like skinnier, like laser beam. Uh, and then there's like a spread shot. And then there's like one that's like a homing gun. So a little bit like Contra. Yeah. But when <laughs> you, when you take damage, you also kind of lose access to like those higher level weapons, and okay. you know it kind of pulls you back down towards the, the regular gun. Uh, but then uh, some of the bosses will also give you new weapons. Like I fought uh, like a mole kind of thing okay. that gave me like the ability to lay mines, okay, rather than just you, because there's the bombs. Like there's always been in Blaster Master. But you have access to these mines as well, which is really good for um, uh, enemies that kind of like circle around you or whatever. That you like put a couple of mines down on the stage yeah. uh, so that, you know, when they pass through that area, like they'll take a, a bit of extra damage. Uh, I think one of the things that makes it a little tricky to me so far is that you have that top down perspective. But it's not a twin stick control. Okay. So for me to aim at an enemy, like I have to walk towards it, and then I have to hit the R button to lock on, and then then I can strafe. But it's I a little see. trickier so, to like deal with fast moving enemies because I can't just use the. So right you prefer if it was a twin stick shooter? I think in a way, uh-huh. I think I would. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah. And uh, but there, but the the. Uh, what, what do they call it? The counter mechanic? Yeah, they just they didn't have a name. I, I at least I didn't pick up. They yeah. said a new counter ability. I don't think they called it anything special. Okay, know, call, I mean that's out. a core part of the game, and okay. it makes a big difference uh, because when enemies start to shoot at you, then you can push. I think it's the X button to counter them, and. Uh, and and those abilities change too. So the first thing you have is just like a counter shot, but then the next one that you get uh, from, I think it's the first pilot you meet. Uh, it's in like a Japanese style uh, area. Okay. Uh, and so this character is sort of more of like a samurai ninja character, and so you get this ability to, you know, basically dash forward into enemies, uh, and it's a little bit more powerful than the the default shot. And, I see. And okay. so, if there's a group of enemies on the screen, 
uh, that like fire in rapid succession, then you can chain those counterattacks together, and it's like zip, 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 and it feels pretty good. Okay, I, I always I thought it was just from what I saw, it looked just like one counterattack. Knowing that there's the different types you can get, it's pretty cool. And uh, yeah, I didn't understand if it was just chaining it just like kills things faster if you could if chaining it built up to a final counter or something because mm -hmm. they showed like one with a boss battle with some like ads and that you did against the ads and they like hit the boss uh, i guess it was just the succession they went in so yeah i was a little curious about how that actually worked and then with yeah. the vehicle uh one of the interesting things that they they've done is that you can recharge uh the meter that's used for both your your hover the boost as well as for your like your special weapons like your homing missiles and stuff you can recharge that through like kinetic energy so like if you fall off of a height when you slam the ground then that actually fills uh your oh. special meter a little bit okay uh so i'm curious if there will be any more abilities later on that kind of play into that that like really encourage you to to do that to fall from heights more yeah that'd be cool uh, i'd personally like that they yeah more, like, that sounds like yeah, I didn't know they did that. It's pretty cool. But with the outer space stuff, uh, yeah, I've gone to a couple of different... I, I've gone to two different planets. And the second one is the one that I was saying that was more Japanese-themed with like big like spikes of bamboo coming out and blocking your path uh, and, and making you figure out how to get around things. Um, and then there are also... Hidden in the levels are like these little blue maps... So that when you go back out onto the space map, uh, there are additional areas that you unlock. Oh, that are optional that's areas. cool. Yeah. I like that. That's really, yeah, that's awesome. I love stuff like that. You can unlock like hidden areas and stuff by rewarding your exploration. That sounds pretty cool. Oh, yeah. So you're digging it so far. Like, yeah. Having a good time with it? All right. Yeah. Like I said, the, I think the aiming at things is, is probably the, 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 weirder part just because i think there's been so many twin stick shooters that like your brain is just ready for that and it's like oh no i can't do that okay <laughs> all right i feel like i i feel like i played the first one a little bit um i i did play the not zero but the the other one that came out on wii uh when they tried to revive it the first time or whatever it was really bad um, but I played, I definitely played the first one of these for like a little bit. Cause I remember getting out the top down part, everything like that. Um, but it also seemed pretty hard at the time. And then I, I think I might've had this same oh, issue with you. Also, this has got to be a joke. What? So the, the AI like assistant that you have that has to stay with the vehicle. Yeah. Her name is Eve. And one of the main things that like you're trying to accomplish in the story is to rid her of this parasite. So it's Parasite Eve. Like this is this, this, it's this a, a joke. It's a Come nod. <laughs> it's a, it's a nod. They're they're fans of uh, Parasite Eve. Nah, you finish the game. It has a trailer for par next Parasite <laughs> Eve coming to Switch as well. Um, the 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 final and probably the the most surprising announcement of the uh, Indies Direct that we're going to talk about um, at the end. Um, a little bit of a shocker here. Um, Cadence of Hyrule, Crypt of the Necrodancer, featuring the Legend of Zelda. Mm -hmm. A new follow-up. Um, and I didn't get to watch this until later. I was surprised at how brief it is. Oh yeah, it's it's like it's over like that. They it's just a trailer. Uh, they don't do anything else, and they just end like right there. Um, it, so the story behind this is it was originally pitched as DLC to Nintendo. 
uh, Necromancer team wanted to, you know, use the characters for just a DLC pack. Nintendo said, hey, "I want you to make a whole new game, and we're cool with it." And they were like, "Oh yeah, this sounds awesome, cool." <laughs> and thus we have Cadence of Hyrule, which, in addition to Cadence, you can play as Link or Zelda from the Legend of Zelda series. Um, mark that down as another rare instance where you get to play as Zelda in a in a oh, Legend yeah. of Zelda game. Uh, from the trailer alone, I can tell it also incorporates enemies, bosses, items, and music from the Zelda series. Um, yeah, it featured a remix of Telltale Heights from Link's Awakening, mm-hmm. which I don't think was I, I, part of my DV, like, my more like cynical side views it as like a very calculated choice sure. uh, from the team that put together this trailer. Maybe they were saying something. Uh, Danny uh, Baranowski, uh, the composer for the original Crypto Necrodancer, mm-hmm. also Super Meat Boy's uh, soundtrack, uh, will be doing the soundtrack for this. So that Telltale Heights remix you heard, I believe, is from them as well. Um, one of the coolest shots of that was the last gameplay shot before it cut to the title. It showed the Armos Knights from basically like the battle you fight in A Link to the Past, yeah. but they all had guitars. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what? So that looked really awesome and just like something you would never expect to see. Coming this spring, um, again, it's Brace Yourself Games and Spike Chunsoft. Um, yeah, it just came out of nowhere. I know we had a lot of people who said, well, that was this was not the Nindies Direct for you all to skip a reactions for. And I was like, uh, yeah, but we're so busy and stuff. I was like, this. I had I had a I had multiple doctor's appointments that day. I was like, yeah, I can't get out of this. Like, this isn't happening. Um, but that yeah, like that music. Like, I liked how they introduced it because the music just comes on while uh, Kirk and Katie are just like there. And they just start like kind of like bouncing to it, and then it just kicks in. And I remember the first shot. So I didn't know immediately it was Crypto the Necrodancer um, until they started hopping around. I was like, I, isn't this like Crypto Necrodancer? The first thing you see is a shovel kind of like digging up some like dirt, a dirt wall. And I was like, that, I was like, that, I was like, huh, you do it like in the Minish Cap with the claws. I was like, that's eh, a nod, you know. <laughs> then it went on and I like saw something, like I saw the enemies, like, are those? I was like, huh, those look like Zelda, like those look like gels, but now those could be so, like the green and the blue, like slime looking. I was like, yeah, that could be anything. Then the, like the second scene before the music, like the iconic music kicks in, I was like, there's a spider looking thing and there's like, that's a lever and a tektite. I was like, maybe? I was like, uh, like, I was like, this looks very Zelda-ish, but... No, this is what is this indie game? I can't wait for it to say it's inspired by Zelda. Then the next shot was an enemy that was a, a dark nut that looked like it was ripped right out of the Minish Cap sprite work. Hmm. I was like, wait, that looks exactly like the dark nuts you fight in the Minish Cap. And then as soon as that clicked, then the music went. I was like, oh, it really. I was like, wait, they're doing <laughs> Zelda, and I was like, oh, okay, it's a Zelda Crypt of the Necrodancer. Yeah, I was like, okay. Um, interesting. There, uh, we'll start there. I don't know. You've seen the trailer now. What do you think of it? Yeah, I think it looks fun. I haven't actually played Necrodancer, which you know, it's neither have I. Probably yeah. to my own fault, but uh, yeah, the the song I think was really uh, impressive mix of that, and I think that yeah, I just it's something that that feels you know lighthearted and experimental and and actually high quality. So. I liked the integration of some of the movesets um, with the beat stuff, um, but it felt like Zelda S. For example, playing as Zelda, 
she uses the prism counter to like reflect mm. uh, a, an attack, which is like from Smash Brothers. That's like her, her B move. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Link from range could use the bow and arrow, but then again, close could do like a spin attack. I don't know if like that's like a charge up move where you get to hold down like for a few beats or something. That'd be kind of cool to see. They had rupees in there that you could collect, so there's probably going to be like an. I don't know if that's just score based or there might be an economy system. The I'm guessing there's some items. shops, yeah. Yeah, like it, it, I'm very curious to see what they do, and I apologize because I have also have not played Crypt of the Necrodancer, so I don't know about like them doing dungeons, like overworld. You like gotta do puzzles to unlock like an entrance to a dungeon. Like how right. how much down the Zelda uh, well are we gonna go with this? But yeah, everything I saw looked really cool. Um, but I think that's the the interesting thing is that. Just an announcement like this is probably boosting sales because of like people are like, oh, this looks cool. Let me see what the original game is like. Oh, yeah. Because now people want to know how to play. They're like, oh, it's basically to play Crypto Necrodancer. Just go play Crypto Necrodancer and you know get used to it so you'd be prepared for you know Cadence of Hyrule, which you know very smart move on their part. Um, very interesting to see um, Nintendo go with this decision. And one of our like patron questions is actually about that um, from uh, from Kerbu. Um, uh, Cadence of Hyrule was a huge shocker, um, and I got to know what you all want out of this game. Um, and if you were fans of original Direct Necrodancer, which we just both said mm-hmm. we, we haven't played it, but you know it seemed really cool. Um, and then they also asked, so what do we want out of the, what do we want to see out of the game? And then with Link's Awakening's Telltale Heights use in the trailer, what other Zelda tunes would you like to see infused with beats from this game? <laughs> oh boy. Um... There's one that come to my head, but I'm trying to remember what what the name of it actually is. A song or a bill, or like oh, a want? song. Yeah, it was just, which game is it from? Do you yeah, know actually, I, was thinking, I think it's it's uh yeah, Kakariko, Kakariko Village. Yeah, which has been mixed in like Smash Brothers quite a bit. Oh yeah, it's been around for since Link to the Past. Yeah, yeah. That, like, that, that that that's a definite there. I feel like that'll be a definite one there. There's definitely. There's there's definitely like I think Dragon Roost Island mm, I'd yep, like to yep. hear the, like I love remixes of that Gerudo Valley I because little known thing I didn't know about uh, I forget where I read it it was either on Racer or, tw- or someone's tweet uh, uh, Danny Baranowski actually did a remix of Gerudo Valley back in the day for OC Remix mm. and it's still up there and you can still listen to it so people are like if you want a taste of more of what you can expect from this soundtrack you can listen to this and I was like ooh but like I can never get enough Gerudo Valley or Dragon Roost Island remixes like those are so good um, what I think in terms of what you're expecting are there any like unique Zelda elements you'd like to see come to play here um, a- anything like that maybe an item you'd like to see show up yeah like I guess it, the, the tricky thing is Without knowing Necrodancer gameplay <coughs> that well, thinking about like how that would really play into it, um, maybe the uh, the weird top thing from Twilight Princess, the spinner, yeah, <laughs> that would be interesting. That could make some interesting levels for sure. Yeah, uh, I would like to. I kind of want to see the because uh, they showed like Ar- Ar- Armos Knights in there, like in terms of bosses. I would like to see uh, they showed a uh, Gliok, uh, the the multi headed dragon, mm. which originated in Zelda One. Um, I'm really hoping that they do. Uh, I want to see a good take on a 
both uh it's called manhandla it's like this plant-based boss it's been in a few other games and uh a, a, a dodongo yeah. um dongo's kind of been like the same for like a long long time i'd like to see a cool reimagining or a new take on dodongo because it's a classic zelda boss enemy it's so simple but it'd be nice to see something done different with it also yeah just like like secrets and stuff um like how they're gonna incorporate like solving puzzles with like this beat based movement and in defeating enemies because there were scenes where they were like pushing a boulder and then like putting something into a slot so i wonder if like there'll be like if you do it in certain you have to do it on a certain beat or something like i'd like to see clever use of like the merging of those two mechanics would be yeah. nice something like that but uh what i was alluding to earlier mm. sorry for the the last question about um basically uh from steven uh santiago uh about nintendo letting indies uh or letting another studio take its ip and work on it especially for like an indie game uh, they want to know, with the announcement of Cadence of Hyrule being revealed during the show, uh, do you think that this game announcement holds any significance in regard to possibly showing that Nintendo may be open to doing more crossovers with their IP, or do you feel this is just uh, this is just commonplace with Nintendo? Also, out of curiosity, uh, with characters from, which characters from Nintendo IP would you like to see make a Switch-exclusive crossover? For them, they'd love to see Mega Man and Samus teamed up. <laughs> so yeah, we get this. We get this every so often. Whenever like uh, yeah. back with rabbits came out and like Star Fox and Starlink, it's coming up again. So, yeah, like, what, what, I, what do you I think, think it's po- definitely yeah. part of um, part of a pattern and part of. I mean, they've even said that you know they want they want to be more open with their IP and with merchandising and you know we've got the Universal Park thing happening. Yeah. Uh, so I really, yeah, I really think this is just a, a reflection of that of of not holding things too tightly when there is an opportunity that that makes sense and that doesn't uh impede on uh the core games in any way yeah um i mean we were we were not a crossover we did see nintendo let mercury steam develop metroid 2's remake sure. essentially so that already got one yeah um, well capcom did the the uh, Oracle games yeah, back the, in the day. Back in the day when the, under their EA flagship studio. Mario yeah. and Luigi and uh, NBA Street. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> NBA Street also had uh, the Square Enix and Mario one. Uh, Itadaki. Uh, oh, Itadaki Street. Yeah, that one too. <laughs> you had that. Um, yeah, we've had lots of different crossovers, but ones that haven't seen there there's there's two now I think oh one specifically let's see if we can remember the other one the one I want to see the most now you know it's Zelda related again I want to see Yacht Club Games um, mm. or uh, Way Forward or both of them collaborating together on a uh, a 2D side scrolling Zelda even a Zelda two remake like if Nintendo were to commission sure. a Zelda two remake I'd love to see one of those two studios get a crack at it. Or making a crossover, like a Shovel Knight Zelda 2 crossover or something like that. Like a side-scrolling Zelda would be like awesome. I think that's like one of the, the number one things I would like to see uh, from from that. And I do think uh, a more traditional sprite-based like 2D Metroid. Like from either of those studios as well. Would sure. be like the, 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 the dream for me. I don't know if you have any other ones. But I, I think this is going to be more commonplace. I think this is going to be um, a more frequent occurrence in that we'll probably – I expect to see something of this caliber almost like once a year now going forward. 
from Nintendo. Yeah. Whereas some other IP, like F Zero, like let's start with F Zero, because you love F Zero. That's that's <laughs> yeah. That's, people have been talking about having the fast racing Neo guys. Yeah, too, yeah. Like yeah. seriously, like Nintendo doesn't seem like they're gonna do anything of themselves. If someone else, yeah, if the fast racing Neo team came to Nintendo and said, hey. Could you know? Could we make another game, but use F Zero ships and you know, or F Zero you know, racers in our thing? And they're like, yeah, go ahead. It's like there you go. You know, like f- fast. <laughs> That's what F stands for now. At fast <laughs> racing than zero or something. I don't know. Um, but yeah, like something like that, or even like w- like wave race. Anything of any franchise that hasn't had a game in a while, or doesn't have a lot of games. Like right. Like, like even Kid Icarus. I know Sakurai. Took that under his wing with uh with Uprising, but that's even something like a side scrolling version of that could be made with like another indie studio or something like that. Yeah, there's just a lot of possibilities now. The one thing I think they'll never let anyone touch though, because it's not theirs, is obviously Pokemon. That'll never ever happen. So, well, I mean, yeah, because it's 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 Game Freak. That's not I mean, Pokemon wasn't, company. I mean, Pokemon Go basically was that. Right, the antic doing that. Yeah, but that wasn't like a cross. I'm talking about crossovers. Sure, they'll never. I don't think they'll ever. Be, maybe weren't waiting for that Pokemon Digimon crossover. It's never happening. <laughs> <laughs> um, but crossing over with anything else, I think that's the one off limits since Nintendo does have that. But I mean, they've shown anything that is theirs. Those uh, like from Mario and Zelda that seem to be like their two top tier ones. They've definitely let people you know, run wild with those now, which is pretty awesome. I like this. I like when Nintendo allows this. But it also now makes me think, you know, any crazy rumor is possible. This is why we, right. I bought so much into the Star Fox Racing rumor because <laughs> this, this, when this happens, I'm more inclined to believe these things are possible. Right. What, what are you supposed to expect from that? Uh, we get some weird multidimensional crossover of XCOM and Fire Emblem. <laughs> oh. Um. One last crazy one. Uh, when I was younger, this used to be uh, one I wanted to see. Uh, I wanted to see the Tales series crossover with Legend of Zelda. I wanted a Legend of Zelda game made with Tales combat. What? So it would be like Link, okay. Zelda, and like fighting alongside like Tales characters and like a battle system. I wanted like a Zelda RPG, essentially. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Square Enix is never going to do that. So who's like a lower tier RPG maker? But I still like, I was like, oh, Tales games. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, call it Tales of Hylia or something or Tales of Hyrule. It's like, there you go. Um, I don't know if so much if like now that I'm older, if that seems as appealing right. as it did back then. But never know. Um, and it's coming so soon. Spring. Mm. Like that's uh, but yeah, two two Zelda games, Cadence of Hyrule and yeah, uh, Link's year. Awakening. Yeah. I don't want to get into this now. We can talk about this at a later date after we played both of them. But I'm already starting to see the the unfortunate an unfortunate side effect of this announcement is uh, some people now clinging to this game's visual style and using it as uh, their own personal ammo against the Link's Awakening remake, saying, why doesn't it look like this? Like, Why didn't you just give them Link's Awakening or something? Let them That whole argument, I'm starting to see that spring up, and it's making me a little disappointed. It's like, there's room for both, and like you can have opinions on both, but I just wish, like, I understand people don't really like the Link's Awakening's remake's look, but... Uh, wishing it doesn't exist now because I I understand people are disappointed, but I, it seems a sometimes it seems a little over like too harsh of, yeah. uh, uh, of the criticisms coming against it. But there are fair criticisms as well. There are people who have made some fair criticisms, and we'll have to see how that plays out. But I forgot. I apologize. There was one last game you did yeah, play the, that wasn't part of the Nindies Direct, which actually worth. is a little bit surprising. But uh, what was yeah, it? Steam World Quest. Ooh, I got to see. Uh, oh yeah, and uh, yeah. So you have Dig and Dig 2, 
and yep. then Heist, and now SteamWorld Quest, which is very, uh, you know, it's a it's a turn-based RPG, very different uh, than any of the other games. And also, I think visually, uh, there's some difference where because SteamWorld Dig, uh, you essentially have small characters in a huge world, yes. right? Uh, SteamWorld Quest, you have huge characters in a relatively small world. <laughs> okay. Um, so it's uh, I'm trying to think of like what to relate it to. Um, I think the th- the weird thing that's like the clearest thing in my mind is like the 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 woods in Final Fantasy VI before the Phantom Train, mm-hmm. to where it's like okay, you've got like this this kind of big path area, and then like uh, things that link either up or down. Okay. Kind of that kind of maze. And then there are, you know, enemies uh, and chests and all of that within those things. But you're basically dealing, like, with a big, long, like, banner, like, almost like a... Okay. Say, like, a Streets of Rage or Final Fight or Ninja Turtles type of space that you're walking through. Good explanation for that. Um, And then uh, the the battles, um, yeah, just transitions to the battles pretty much on that same screen. Uh, But the battles are... Uh, card based, uh, and they're actually talking. They're actually talking about punch cards because they're robots. So kind of this, uh, this idea that would be like like a punch card that you use for like clocking like, in mm-hmm. at a factory. And um, so the thing that I appreciate the most, though, with the card battle system, is that each character in your party, and I think you can have up to three. Maybe you could have four, but I think three is probably the limit on your party. Uh, each character so far in the demo only has eight cards that they can have okay. in the deck at a time. And then all all of those characters' cards are shuffled together. And so when you get uh, you know, your your hand, um, you might have, you know, three cards for this character and four for another and then one for the third. And so Okay. Kind of, and and then the there are um, just basic strikes like just doing a sword swing, and uh, there are things like your buffs, and then uh, there are uh, special skills that you have to build up steam, uh, which is kind of represented by the, this gear meter at the top of the screen, uh, and with that, um, so you you do a regular attack and then that puts however many points into your steam gauge okay. and then with enough regular attacks then you can use one of your skill attacks which um the basically i had like a like a knight and a and a mage uh that we're working through uh this demo for the beginning and so the the knight could do swords uh and then the mage would like just hit him with her book <laughs> and then when you had enough uh points then you know, the knight could either do it like a, a stronger attack, or the mage could actually cast spells like fire and and ice, and uh, so. And the other interesting thing about how the system works is, um, number one, you actually you you put all your cards out there sort of at once. So it's like I'm gonna play this and this and this, and then once like you've confirmed that's what you're gonna do, then it plays out all the moves in succession. Okay. Um, and then the other thing is that um, if you play, if all all three of your cards that you play in a turn are for the same character, then they get uh, 
a bonus move that's only available if you do that chain. Okay. So, so like the, the mage, okay. like she has this one like uh, move where she basically adds on like uh, like basically puts you into a bubble that adds on to your your health. So like if you're missing health, then you'll get like a bit of like temporary health. Okay. And uh, her chain move in the demo does that to everybody in the group. And then there's another guy that like his chain move like put like a defense buff on everyone in the group. And so there's you know special things that have a larger effect uh, that you can only do if you, if you do those do those cards. chain attacks uh-huh. and that also requires that you have the right cards in there uh, in, in your hand. Uh, and you can pull like uh, I forget what the limit was, but you can like if there's a card that's in your hand that you just don't want, then you can kind of like discard that and put it back in the deck. Uh, and and pull something else later. Okay, that's what I was gonna ask. Like, did, did it ever seem like managing your cards felt like frustrating or tedious, or did it feel pretty like good? You know, simple. Yeah. Well, that, that's why I think I, I like the small small deck per character, like just having eight cards, because then it it becomes fairly simple to figure out. Like, okay, when you get new cards, then okay, what what am I gonna swap out here? Rather than, oh, crap, I just got, like, 13 cards, and I've got, like, a 30-card deck, and, like, you start losing track of what you're gotcha. actually trying to accomplish. Yeah, yeah, that's, like, my biggest concern with the card games, yeah. Or base battle system, sorry. But, yeah, it looks, it looks really good. I think, you know, with that kind of demo, even though I played it for 40 minutes, uh, it's really, it's, it's hard with a turn-based RPG yeah. To get that, you know, that deep into it, unless they like, you know, with some of these other games, like they cre- created a demo that like showed a lot of things really quickly. Whereas I think with this one, um, it felt more like I'm just, I'm just in a part of the game and I'm not really seeing all of the different possibilities. Um, but so far, it was, it was, it was cool, and I'd like to put more time into it to see how it expands. Yeah, sounds. Yeah, definitely sounds that way. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Um, but yeah, that that that's all we got. You know, uh, you had a good time at GDC, though, right? Yeah, GDC yeah. is great. You know, always see lots of people, and I'm I've got a whole bunch of other notes in there about. Yeah, you saw more stuff than just Nintendo. Google stuff. Stadia yeah. and uh, you know the DMC five session uh, and and all that kind of thing. And so, gonna find some time to talk to uh, some other allies about the other things that I saw. Pretty cool. Can't wait to to hear and see about it. Um, I want to thank everyone again for uh, submitting your questions uh, for this episode of Friend Code. Um, as a reminder to submit questions for an episode of Friend Code, if you are a $5 and up patron the week that we're recording a new episode, I will put a Patreon post up that will call for your question submissions um, and uh, we'll let you know the topics that we'll be discussing this uh, that week. And in case like this, even if this week when we're recording so late into the week and I put that post early in the week, um, I let you know what it was about. That, But even though you would have to wait to see what was revealed, uh, I, I didn't even see there was an Indies Direct, but I said, I basically said Bloodworks is going to be playing games at GDC, but we don't know which ones yet. So just wait later in the week and we'll like update. <laughs> and then like the Indies Direct happened like, oh, and we're going to be well, talking about I think about you waited until they announced the Direct. Oh, okay. Maybe it was yeah. that. Yeah, because I thought I did mention it in the first post, but... If I didn't know, I would have just said like, "Hey, we're waiting" and everything like that. But I'll let you know what we're going to be talking about, so you can uh, you can uh, 
draft your uh, questions to be related to those topics because that's how I select them, especially when they're on topic like that. And it helps drive the discussion and uh, makes the show work as well as it does. So thank you for that. Also, if you're a $5 a patron, you get episodes of Friend Code, um, most episodes of Friend Code early. Um, they usually go up on uh, Sunday afternoons for patrons. Uh, they go up publicly for everyone else on Tuesdays. Uh, the exception is when we do those new special episodes when there's hot news dropped out of nowhere. When that like random Nintendo Direct gets dropped, uh, we will uh, we will jump on that immediately. If it's happening in between uh, the recording of episodes, we'll get that up immediately. And also, high possibility with this episode, I apologize if you're watching this now and you're a patron. It's not Sunday night. I do apologize. Um, just a it's a special case week as well. But in general, that's usually how it works. So thank you again for all of that. Um, thank you again for joining Bloodworth on right before yeah. our third year anniversary. <laughs> yeah, we got to wrap this up because we got to get ready to go over there, and uh, hopefully we will we, we saw a bunch of you there, or you saw us on the Twitch stream, whether you're watching it or not. But uh, thank you again, Bloodworth. Thank you again, everyone, for your questions. And until next time, may the way of the hero lead to the Triforce. 